outwitted Edwin Markham. He drew a circle that shut me out, heretic, rebel, a thing to flout. But love and I had the wit to win. We drew a circle and took him in. Edwin Markham was an important voice in American poetry between 1900 and 1940. A universalist, buried at the Brooklyn Universalist Church, Markham not only, not only offered words of advice for universalists, he shared a point of view, an ethic, a zeitgeist that he thought would be good for everyone. As he put it, we have committed to the golden rule. Now, let us commit it to life. Markham also saw that the results of our efforts bounce back to us. Actions taken toward others that lack respect for them not only affect its intended victim or victims, it also weighs down the hearts of those who lack a full acceptance of one another. Markham was one of our Unitarian Universalist ancestors. The program should note that. I missed it. I'm sorry. But we find ourselves in a different age than Markham's age. If we are to put his ethic in place in our lives here in this 21st century, we must look to today's leaders for their guidance at this time. David Corton, who you saw earlier, who spoke at the 2015 General Assembly in Portland, is one of those leaders. Corton promotes the health of our earth and is the co-founder and was the director of the board of Yes Magazine. Do any of you here subscribe to Yes? I see a few hands. His short text, The Sacred Life and Living Earth Story, is a fundamental piece of my ethic for life. In The Sacred Life and Living Earth Story, Corton writes, we humans are living beings born of and nurtured by a living earth. Real wealth is living wealth. Time is life. Money is just a number useful as a medium of exchange in well-regulated markets. This intro to the sacred life and living earth story is followed by life exists only in community. We humans are creatures of conscience who survive and prosper only as members of a living earth community. The prime task of any living community is to maintain the conditions essential to the life of its members. We all do best when we all do well in a world that works for all. A connection to nature and community is essential to our physical and mental health and well-being. It is our nature to care and share for the benefit of all. Individualistic violence, greed, and ruthless competition are indicators of individual and social dysfunction. And here is his final statement. Environmental damage and extreme inequality are indicators of serious system failure. This is the Sacred Life and Living Earth Story, a text that brings Markham's outwitted 
into our 21st century. Now, Corden shared that his approach to life shifted when he heard the Bhutan Secretary of Happiness conclude a statement at a conference with the words, time is life. Time is life. Corton quickly contrasted time is life with time is money, often heard in the West. An insight that led him to a question Unitarian Universalists were asked at the 2015 General Assembly. What would you do if you were in a forest hoping to pick up a knapsack that had a million bucks in it and you were also caught in a forest fire? The knapsack's just 30 steps away, but pillars of fire are leaping from the trees around you and a helicopter is hovering overhead. A rope drops from that helicopter. And it's right there, and a medic is shouting down. Two seconds, you have two seconds. Grab that rope and grab it now. Would you go for the million, or would you grab the rope? Corton reminded us that we often miss that life is more important than money because... The cosmologies or the systems of ethics that people have followed have often misled them. He shared three of these cosmologies, his word, that have led to the views people used to follow. The distant patriarch worldview comes from the Abrahamic religions, Judaism, Christianity, and Islam. Um, Let's flip forward two pictures, if we could. That's it. Has an all-powerful deity that lives in heaven, is loving, say some, is jealous and vengeful, say others, shares its brand of moral guidance, focuses on a relationship with a distant god of male gender, reduces life to a fear-based quest to join the saved in heaven and undercuts the importance of human relationships and our relationship to nature. That's the distant patriarch worldview. The grand machine cosmology was birthed in science, says only the material objects in life are real, holds that life is merely an accidental outcome of material complexity, sees nothing wrong with dominating nature and other humans, before we become victims of their domination over us, accepts monarchies and centralized governments or a wealth and marketplace framework as it minimizes moral implications and accepts those who are guided by greed. The mystical unity perspective has been promoted by Buddhists and mystics sees the material of life as an illusion generated by the human ego, envisions a unity to life that is much like a wave to the ocean, and each wave is temporary, and all waves express the ocean, turns to meditation as a path to infinite love, adapts to mindfulness in a quest for peace, ignores the cumbersome oppression of dominator institutions, and leads many of its followers to a lack of engagement with life. 
These three ethics for life, said Corton, produced a structure for thinking of life, a corollary system of power that melded with these structures, and many human civilizations. However, none of them, he said, considered the protection of our earth. The mistakes made by followers of these worldviews has become and is now a major problem for life on our earth. But, says Corton, we humans, like all other beings, are both product and instrument of creation. We are not its purpose. We belong to our earth. Our health and well-being are inseparable from her health and well-being. In other words, I believe, as I read what Corton says, the sacred life and living earth story is simply a reworking and updating of outwitted. These three cosmologies have lost their credibility, but their replacement is less friendly to earth and humanity than they were. In Corton's view, the current world view ethic is the sacred money and market cosmology. As he said, the insights that I gained during my business and academic and global planning careers reveal that it is immoral, illogical, and at odds with science and our daily experience to follow the sacred money and market cosmology. As for science, he says, it denies global warming. As for our daily experience, it ignores forest fires, pays no attention to the ice melt in Greenland or Antarctica, or the incarceration of people who are trying to make a living. Thus his conclusion to, of the sacred life and living earth story is environmental damage and extreme Inequality are indicators of serious system failure. Albert Einstein once said, no problem can be solved from the same level of consciousness that created it. In tossing aside the three ancient cosmologies as well as the money and market ethic, Corden begins with a knowledge of our place on this earth. The basis for beginning to turn our worldview around, says Corden, is to fully appreciate the grandeur, the complexity, and the mystery of creation. His sacred life and living earth story sees us as humans being intelligent, self-directed participants in a conscious, interconnected, self-organizing cosmos on a journey of self-discovery that leads toward ever greater complexity, beauty, awareness, and possibility. And that, my friends, I think, is what we have seen, an ever greater complexity to life, a beauty, an awareness, and a possibility. Each moment of life, then, becomes a seed that holds within it a plan to become a magnificent flowering tree, not a stop on a clock whose spring has sprung. This process begins 
with a realization that our entire universe contains the gift of life, but somehow, in a unique way, this life gift is more prominent on Earth than in many other places. So what then is our task for humanity? What can we do on this solitary planet of ours? And here I think Corton sounds quite a bit like a Unitarian Universalist, or at least a follower of Edwin Markham. For he writes, the purpose of human institutions, whether business, government, or civil society, is to provide all people with the opportunity to make a healthy, meaningful living in a balanced, co-productive relationship with Earth's community of life. Institutions designed to concentrate their decision-making power in the pursuit of purely financial ends, unburdened by the exercise of human conscience, as is the case for many publicly traded limited liability corporations, have no place in a healthy society. Human institutions are human creations. That which humans create, humans can change. Environmental sustainability, economic justice, and a living democracy are inseparable. We have all of them, or we have none of them. In Corton's view, humanity has no choice but to follow the sacred life and living earth story. Our survival depends on, he says, improving the health of our people, supporting others in our human family, and taking good care of our living earth. In this light, our path in the days ahead is to look closely at indicators of life satisfaction, as does Bhutan's National Secretary of Happiness. Wouldn't it be something if we had a Secretary of Happiness in this country? Bhutan does. To improve nutritional health, he goes on, and creative expression, uh -huh, and freedom from chronic disease and psychological dysfunction, elevate the frequency and quality of interactions with people and nature. I don't need to tell you that in the Northwest. <laughs> I've seen you, you're out there. Refine our sense of contribution to the betterment of all, as well as the way we allocate our time between activities that bring us intrinsic satisfaction and those we endure in order to make money. Corden summarizes the sacred life and living earth story with these words. Without nature, there are no people. Without people, there are no corporations, there's no property, and there's no money. The rights of nature logically take priority. So, is this an insight we can begin to see? Is this a step we can begin to use? Is it an approach that we follow when we go down to Tacoma or when we stand on the street corner 
or when we are involved in efforts to bring help to people around us? Yes, my friends, we are opening the door to this world and we are taking actions to be involved and to welcome. But some days I think we forget exactly why we are doing what it is that we are doing and where it is coming from and why it is so important in this time to be the people that we are. And if so, one day we may be looking at some of those followers of the money and markets paradigm and we will be able to say, have you noticed we have outwitted you my friends. Our circle does not undo or forsake. Our circle has taken earth in. Our circle has freely allowed others in. Our circle has made room for a great and beautiful space for ourselves and our families and those who will follow. It has made this world better than it was before. And that is the one thing we have wanted to do in our lives. Not for myself do I lift up the sacred life and living earth story, nor for those around me, nor for any of you. My motivator is my children. My motivator is my children's children and their children and their grandchildren to the 10th generation to the 10th generation let us do what we can to make this planet everything for them that it was for us. May we find within us a love for all and may the love in these hearts of ours find love in the hearts of those around us. Amen. Ashe. Namaste. Namaste.